Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Retirement Elevated with Sean Lee. Hey, welcome into another edition of the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the show as we talk investing, finance, and retirement with Sean Lee. This is Retirement Elevated, and it's podcast number 71, and it's a great uh, that's a great number. That's the year I was born. So I think we're going to have a good show lineup today. Sean, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I hope you have a good show. We'll, we'll see if you hold your weight. That's right. That's right. I always try <laughs> to. I actually meant to uh, have brought that up the last episode because it was uh, our 70th. And it was uh, our podcast was eligible for full retirement age. So there you go. <laughs> full Social Security benefits. Full Social Security benefits, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we got some good stuff to talk about today. Uh, what should we consider before we retire? That's what's on the docket. What issues might pop up? This is for 2021. We've got some things to ponder. So we're going to uh, toss this out at you folks and see uh, if any of these things uh, spark your interest or get you thinking, oh, yeah, I need to do that. I need to talk about that or I need to address this. So let's jump in, Sean, and get going. Cash flow issues. Uh, that's a good place to start because nobody wants to have cash flow issues. So will our cash flow needs change in retirement? Survey says what? Well, I mean, most people it does. Yeah. Right? You go from from getting that, that biweekly paycheck or monthly paycheck and and that's a big concern. Usually the first couple of months, like, holy cow, where's my income going to come from? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my, my mom's a perfect example. She just retired from school district in Massachusetts. July 1st was her first date. Well, her pension doesn't start till August. And she's like, what am I going to do? Well, For what? the month, right? Yeah. I, I mean, she goes, when's social security going to start? When's my pension? It's, like, three, it's like three months for income. that, isn't it? So, uh, social security, sometimes it can take up to three months for that to kick in. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, so the, we she actually applied a couple months ago. Oh, okay. So that stuff is 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 in good order, but that pension took a little bit, and, and so that's really what what you need to need to consider. You know, if you're receiving a a pension, mm-hmm. what payout option do you take? You know, some of them have single life payouts, some of them have joint, some of them have lump sum options, and so you really want to coordinate your strategies from a pension perspective. You know, between your pension, your social securities. And and even if you have life insurance, it's helping you to determine how you draw and how you take your your pension. Okay. And we've got this kind of in a checklist here, Sean. So I think if folks would like a copy of this, we could probably send this out to them as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. We can upload it into the podcast. Okay. Uh, so again, these cash flow issues, there's a bunch of stuff on this list of some things to consider before we retire. So again, it's kind of a checklist. So if you'd like a copy of that, so you can go through it on your own, feel free to just reach out and let us know. Uh, all right. So we talked about cash flow, talked about the pension. Are we retiring early? Uh, if so, some things to consider. Well, and Social Security is a big one. And I tell people, like, listen, if you retire between 59 and a half and 72, that's like your golden years of, of retirement. And I don't, I don't mean golden years as like the golden girls, but I mean, <laughs> that's that's like the one opportunity that you have mm-hmm. to choose how you want your incomes. So taking some time and planning and saying, all right, when do I strategically want to take social security? What's the most optimum time to take social security out to generate the least amount of stress on my portfolio. Use Social Security as a tool to pull out less of your money. Right, okay. And then even if you get a little bit less, you're still putting less stress on your on your assets. But there will be a, a mathematical point in time. You know, do you do Roth conversions at that point in time? It's the only period of time where you'll have access to your money, but you won't be required to take any of it out from the IRAs and 401ks and retirement accounts. So do you do some Roth conversions? Do you spend down some of your IRAs strategically so your required minimum distributions down the road 
aren't aren't too high. So when you start to look at retiring early, uh, a big portion of that is how do you coordinate your cash flows to give you the most beneficial and and most strategic withdrawal strategy for your plan, not only during that early time, but long term. Hmm, okay. Um, now we're talking about Social Security and pensions and so on and so forth. Uh, what is this the Social Security windfall elimination provision, Sean? Because you know, if you're one of the questions on here is, will you or your spouse receive a pension from maybe an employer that did not withhold Social Security taxes? I didn't even know yep. that was a thing. So it's a ma- it's a calculation, and and the Massachusetts pension system does this, and this is where my mom came from. Okay. You know, so because she didn't contribute to Social Security she did not receive benefits for or credit towards social security. So her social security is actually reduced down because those benefits were paid into her pension. Hmm. And so fortunately she had a bunch of years in Wyoming to where she still received a decent amount. I think that her social security was only discounted by 400 bucks, but you have to in States and and businesses and and companies that don't withhold social security, Mm to offset into a, a pension, an employer pension, you will have a reduction or you could have a reduction of, of Social Security benefit based on this windfall elimination provision. Okay. All right. So it is a thing that's out there then for certain areas. So that's good to know. Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, we know kind of most of the time, Sean, we've talked many times on the show that if you're married, you know, are you working together with your advisor on a Social Security claiming strategy for the married couple? But let's let's change it up this week since that's on this list as well. But let's go to the unmarried, uh, maybe married previously and now currently unmarried, like my mom, for example. Uh, she's 80, you know, and, uh, and she found out, you know, a couple of years ago that she could actually do some different things with Social Security based on prior husband. So share some of that information. So, and this is, there's, there's two specific periods of time that, that matter in this. If you're, if you're married and divorced okay, or, or married and your spouse passed away. Oh, all right. Um, you know, the first one is if you're married for at least 10 years and the marriage ended in divorce, you may be eligible for benefits under your ex-spouse's record, which means that you may be eligible for the spousal benefit of your ex-spouse. Yeah, and they don't know about this, by the way, and it's not like it's affecting them. So if they're still alive, this isn't like something where they're going to be like all ticked off and calling you up and giving you a hard time, right? This is they'll never even know this is happening, right? This yeah. is not this is not a benefit that affects the the ex spouse, right? They'll still receive their <laughs> same some, benefit <laughs> to some people's like chagrin, right? right. They're like, oh, <laughs> son was, of a gun! So I was hoping they were going to be mad about it, but yeah, I mean, all all joking aside, it is something that can be really beneficial because she wound up getting my mom, for example, getting more money based off of her first husband's social security uh, than she was getting on her own. Yep. And and that's a big deal. I mean, usually it, and the reason that the spousal benefit is there, it's, it's there for spouses that are not in the workforce. They're home taking care of, of, of the family, right. raising the kids, and they're not getting those credits towards their, their own social security. So the spousal is, is there. So your mom, she has the right to take to take that benefit because she probably during those years that, that she was married, she was not working. Right. Right. She was taking care of the, her, uh, my brother and sister. Yeah. She was raising the kids. Yep. The other day, the period of time that's important is, is if the marriage lasted more than nine months and ended due to a spouse passing away, you may be eligible for benefits under your deceased spouse's record. So you actually may be eligible for um, those benefits based on your spouse, your deceased spouse's earnings mm-hmm. and their earnings record. Mm-hmm. 
uh, if you're uh, married for longer than nine months. Okay. So some good information to know there if you are single or widowed uh, or uh, just currently unmarried and you're in that Social Security area. Again, some good stuff to cover if you had not thought about those things. Uh, health insurance issues, Sean. Uh, will we be retiring at 65 and need you know health insurance or before 65, I should say, right? Because there's going to be that gap. Right. So, I mean, you have to make that decision. It's do I, if I retire before 65, I have to go out um, and get insurance somewhere because Medicare doesn't hit until 65. So you can go into like, you know, the health insurance marketplace. You could go and just buy your own policy. You could go under Cobra. You know, there's, there's a lot of different options that you have. You just need to spend some time working with a healthcare specialist, determining what the options are and finding the right fit for your plan and budget. I imagine that's got to be the bigger component to a lot of people's plans or strategies to retire early is figuring out that healthcare gap, right? Somebody comes in and says, Sean, I, you know, we've done this, this, or this, and we really want to retire at 60 or 62 or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, this is, some, this is a big one we have got to address because you're going to need something to cover that gap in the event that you get sick. Right. Health insurance is between eight and 800 and 1200 bucks a month for a family that's retiring a little early. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not empty. a little cost. No. I mean, you have to, you probably want to budget for that and figure that out in advance to pulling the plug and just making sure that, okay, from a, from a healthcare perspective, we're covered. Our budget, our household budget may have needed to be six grand a month, but with healthcare, maybe we need 7,500 a month. And, and just making sure that your plan can still account for that and handle it before you decide to take that leap into retirement. Okay. Uh, what about additional insurance, such as uh, vision or dental coverage? Uh, we were talking about Medicare before. Doesn't cover that. No, and that's individualized, right? Like I got LASIK years ago. I'm still fortunate enough that my vision's 2020. Vision's not a big deal for me personally. Mm-hmm. But dental is, you know, get get your teeth cleaned every six months and you, you, you keep that up. Keep. So that that's really one of those things that you come in and you say, well, is this necessary for my family? Is it a benefit that I need to have or I want to have to, to help protect us from a maintenance perspective? And, and really it's, you know, dental is, dental's not cheap if something goes wrong. Oh, no. No. You know, so you're a couple thousand bucks in. Do you want to roll the dice? You don't have some insurance coverage to cover that. And you can usually buy like over the open market dental coverage. Yeah. And for seniors that don't have it, it definitely can be interesting. You know, my mom, uh, she had to have cataracts. And of course, you know, that doesn't cover the cost of going to the eye doctor, but it did help on covering part of the cost of the eye surgery, right? Because of that, right. that portion's covered. But like the visits to the eye doc, the follow up. Uh, glasses, so on and so forth. Those things typically are not covered. So want to have those conversations uh, if you need to kind of put something in place there. And HSA, are we contributing to it? What happens as we get closer to retirement with our HSA? Well, you don't have to spend it down at any time. So you can, or, or at a, a specific time, it's not like a flexible savings plan where you have to pull it out every year. Okay. And so we see a lot of families just ratchet up the savings into their HSA and that helps to cover their premiums during that gap. So they're not out of pocket as much money. They're actually just using their HSA to cover those cover those premiums. Gotcha. Now this next one's got some funny terms on here, Sean. So why don't you explain these to us? It says, will your MAGI exceed 88,000 single or 176,000 MFJ? What is all that uh, jargon? So it's your adjusted gross income. Okay. And, and so what that means is that if you're if your income as a single person, your marginal adjusted gross income is over 88000 mm-hmm. 
or if you're married filing jointly, that's what MFJ means, is over 176000 you may be subject to what are called these Medicare IRMA surcharges, which mean all that that means is that the more money you make, the higher your Medicare premiums could potentially be. <laughs> gotcha. Big shock, right? Yeah. So you get to pay, you make more money, you get to pay more in Medicare. Okay. All right. So Medicare there's a lot, of, a lot of fancy jargon there to say you may owe more money. Yeah. Uh, potentially. And uh, and so that's, again, certainly worth having, you know, so you want to look and see, you know, are we going to be set up for these IRMA surcharges or Medicare Part B, Part D? There's a flow chart for all of that. And of course, Sean and the team can help you with all that stuff as well. Yep. Um, disabled. All right, if we're disabled, anything to ponder there? Just filing for Social Security because you may, and Medicare because you may be eligible for benefits fairly early. If you're permanently disabled, there's a, a, a decent enough chance that you'll qualify for early Social Security disability benefits and for Medicare. Okay. Well, and the final one I think we'll do, because there's a lot more on this list, folks. So again, we'll make this available to you if you'd like to go through this checklist for yourself on what issues should I consider before I retire. But let's just go with long-term care. That's the last, uh, next to the last one here on the healthcare side of this. Uh, are you concerned about funding it? And I think a lot of people hopefully, well, they should be think concerned about it because it's expensive and we've got to figure something. You got to address this, folks. I mean, we're just, we just have to. You do. And when it comes to long-term care, just make it a math problem. Understand this is the average cost. We'll call it, for example purposes, uh, $70,000 a year. Average person stays in a in a nursing facility for 2.7 years, so three. So multiply 70,000 times three, that's 210 grand. Can your plan handle that? Can you handle that cost of care and spending down 210,000 and then will your surviving spouse be able to live their life after that money's spent down and after you're gone? So that's the math problem. If the answer is yes, cool, self-fund, don't worry about long-term care. If the answer is no, look at alternatives, you know, long, standalone long-term care, life insurance with long-term care, or an annuity strategy with long-term care. Those are really the three choices uh, that you have. And so the first question is, can your, can your plan handle the math problem? The second question is, how do you want to solve that, that problem if your plan can't handle that? Okay. All right. So some good content on this checklist, folks. If you'd like to get, get a copy of this, uh, we didn't even get to asset and debt issues or tax planning issues, um, long-term planning issues, and just a few other things as well. So if you'd like to get a copy of it, uh, feel free to reach out. We'll make it available there at the podcast as well on the site and all those good things there. So just reach out and let them know. And we'll get that all taken care of for you. Complimentary 855-50-RETIRE. That's 855-50-RETIRE. Or stop by the podcast page, retirementelevatedpodcast.com. That's retirementelevatedpodcast.com with Sean Lee and the team at Elevated Retirement Group. All right, my friend, I'm going to let you go. I know you've got some company coming here soon. So I hope you guys have a great time. And I will see you, I guess, uh, in sometime in August. Sounds good, brother. Thanks, man. All right. Well, have a great one, everybody. We appreciate your time as always. And we'll catch you next time here on Retirement Elevated with Sean Lee. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.